Hey, welcome to episode 16 of the Hockey Free For All podcast, where we have started off with a great season for the Canadians, who are currently sitting at a 500 record of 2-2. Two and two. Let's start right off with Suzuki and Caulfield are off to tremendous starts right out of the gate. Not only has it shown that these players have and are elite talents, but also it shows if they should remain with Montreal for their entire careers, both have the ability to update and be added to a tremendous rich history record book that that organization has. It's also shown that people have greatly underestimated them both from their skill sets as well as their individual abilities on the team. I think Cole Caulfield is a legit 50-goal scorer, even though there's all kinds of people that want to say he won't even score 30 or 35 goals, and both Caulfield and Suzuki are capable of 100-point seasons. Meanwhile, to the addition of that, Sean Monahan being added to the wing of that line seems to be the best addition yet out of anybody that they've played with. He brings a couple of options that no other player is going to bring or no other player that so far has been added to it brings in the fact that Sean Monahan can also maybe lend his experience to Nick Suzuki on improving Nick Suzuki's face-off win percentage because that's been a big issue for all Montreal centers over the last couple of seasons especially. And he also brings a skill set that meshes together with and complements Suzuki's and Caulfield's skills. So that looks like a win-win scenario for that line that's worked out very, very well. Apparently, without having any kind of real clue themselves, there has been a lot of people that apparently had already written off Sean Monaghan as a legitimate NHL player. That seems incredibly strange, not knowing or having any other previous time on the roster, not having a first-hand knowledge of the player. I'm not sure how anybody would think they have the ability to write him off as a player that wouldn't have any value to the team. Maybe everybody thought he was just going to spend his entire time on the LTIR to go along with Paul Byron and Carey Price, but he was healthy at the beginning of the season and has been an excellent match with Caulfield and Suzuki. However, it has clearly pinpointed a significant problem that is deeply concerning, though. What's with the attitude that no one is capable of doing that if I can't do that? Or a belief that if I don't have those skills, somebody else doesn't have those skills. Or a lack of appreciation of acknowledgement of people who just excel and are good at something innately and have the skills and abilities without having someone having to quote unquote show them the way as people like to say. Many years ago, while coaching the St. Louis Blues, Mike Keenan once said, I think, something that is the most accurate statement ever made that reaches far beyond sports, but also includes sports. Everyone should be measured on a merit performance-based system. The individual gets something, the organization gets something. Imagine how that would actually change the world if that was implemented across the board and everyone would just be evaluated based on actual ability, skills, and performance. Wow, consider that for a moment and what a change that would make. For a moment, let's look at four of the greatest professional athletes that have played sports. Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan. Their amazing achievements were because of burning desire that existed within them internally. 
the expectation and performance level that they placed on themselves and would accept nothing less than because of belief in themselves that they had and knew what their capabilities were that nobody else would even have a clue about. Every time they stepped on the surface that they played on, they took it as a deep personal challenge to be exceptional, not to be less than what they could. Those are all called intangibles. You can't teach that. Some people have them, some people don't. And apparently, for the people that have them, others must be jealous of them. And you might be asking, what does this have to do with hockey on this podcast? And I answer, Arbor Jackye. I know that Caden Gooley has been outstanding. We'll get to him shortly. But Arbor Akjai wasn't drafted by an OHL team or an NHL team and has made the Montreal Canadiens roster. He is the perfect reality check for these dream killers that keep telling people, you have no chance, you're wasting your time, you shouldn't go after that because you won't succeed or obtain the goal that you've set. You're not good enough to get there. A lot of the best are self-made. They were helped by no one else. They excelled purely because of their own desire and abilities. After these so-called experts would tell them, oh, you won't succeed. You're not good enough for that. Guess what? Once again, all those people are 100% dead wrong as usual. Desire, determination, drive, one owns expectation and knowledge of their own abilities trumps anybody and everybody else's knowledge of what they're capable of or what they can actually do. Arbor Akjai has again demonstrated if you have a dream, follow it. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't listen to them telling you that you can't do something, that you'll fail. Go achieve your goals and dreams and never look back. Now, with all that said, King Gooley has absolutely been outstanding. He's already playing as if he's been playing in the NHL for years. It's been fantastic to watch. Gooley and Savard have clicked together like they were meant to be paired. They have been the perfect combination that offsets each other's strengths and weaknesses. Savard, being the veteran, is the cooler of the pair, if you will, provides that kind of tempo and allows Gooley to play to his absolute best of his abilities. And coincidentally, or conversely, Gooley allows Savard to play his game perfectly because they both have skills that the other one either doesn't have or that enhances each other's game. However, sadly, this looks as it's come to a surprise to many people who like to prejudge an armchair quarterback people that they don't even know who they've never met and they will never have anywhere near the skill set of themselves, which is really odd. What would even remotely cause anyone else to think that they have the ability to judge someone who has abilities that they'll never have and think they can tell them how they're going to perform or how or expect how they're going to perform. That is just a level of arrogance that is just absolutely amazing, if nothing else. Caden Gooley could have even made last year's roster. He had great training camps both last year and this year. And yet, there are people that still are trying to continuously pick his game apart, find fault with him, and find any reason that they believe that supports their concept or philosophy oh he needs to go to Laval he can't be in Montreal what is with people with not wanting to see rookies in Montreal this year if they're ready and better than what you already have on the ice why would you not play them why would you waste their time in the AHL when they're clearly have moved beyond that point and are ready for a roster spot I'm certainly in agreement with not rushing anybody too early or too fast but in Gooley's case in Arbor Akjai's case, in Jordan Harris's case, they're ready to make the team. They've proven to be the most valuable members of the defense. As hard as that is for some people to believe, they have proven to be the most valuable members, most consistent members of that defense. 
And at the same time, Montreal, of course, has made another tremendous adjustment due to the skills and awareness of the management. And not to be left out, the coaching staff is by pairing David Savard with Caden Gooley, Jonathan Kovacevic with Jordan Harris, and Caden Gooley and Jordan Harris have both benefited from that. Now, of course, it remains to be seen what happens when Mike Matheson and Joel Edmondson return, but that's a down-the-road scenario. There should be nothing impeding these guys right now from playing whatever amount of minutes they're comfortable with, whatever amount of minutes they can absorb, all provides them a greater learning experience and all enhances their development. Where's the negative in any of that? That's what I'm trying to figure out. But yet there are people that's like, oh, Arbor Akjai needs to be sent down. Caden Gooley needs to be sent down. Jordan Harris, well, he might need some time just from a physical perspective. Is it because you have a defense chuck full of players? Or is it because you have a defense full of players that are just so good there's no room for these guys? I'm not seeing that on the roster. So why not play these guys? Why not let them take positions on the roster that best fits and assists with their development. Now, yeah, the NHL is not normally a developmental league. Montreal is in a very unique position. Use it to the full advantage. And the management and the coaching staff are. It just seems like there's other people that just want to question everything that's being done as if they have any basis to stand on to question that that's what I'm trying to figure out is where is this questioning coming from and what is it based on if you look at the way the lines have played out you have Suzuki Caulfield and Monahan have played and formed a very good line in addition to that you have Gooley Jacka and Harris who have all been bright spots on the roster that's your first tier or your first level you have what's been certainly better than expected expected goaltending by Jake Allen and Sam Montebo have played much better than people expected to this point, though we're only four games into the year. You have Kirby Doc, who's already shown improvement over that 35% faceoff win percentage that he had in Chicago, has paired very well with Josh Anderson. They seem to play very effectively together. So far, that line has not found the perfect left wing for it. That could be... Yuri Slikowski, that could be Christian Dvorak, to be determined. Again, it's only four games into the season. I'm, I'm not sure why we're already at a mid-season kind of ambush questioning type behavior already. It's four games into a season that I think everybody is pretty secure and pretty well-versed in the fact that this is a development year. This is a rebuilding, restructuring year. This is a year to gain experience and what everybody wants to see and the common answer, which has been from Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, and Martin St. Louis, we want to see growth. We want to see unification of players. We want to see players advance develop, gain experience for the overall growth of the franchise moving forward with the plan that they have in place. That's kind of a known factor. So I'm not sure why everybody's starting to like take shots at people already, and especially young kids. That That's just nuts. But after those people, we also have Gallagher and Evans, who have had quiet but successful seasons to this point. They've been actively involved in every game. They've taken an active role while they're out there. They're not just kind of 
just sitting back looking comatose or anything like that. And with that said, of course, we have to talk about the number one draft pick overall, Uri Slavkowski. Everybody's already questioning, oh, see, I told you he should have been sent down to Lavelle. Why? Lavelle right now is going through a very similar process. They've had a tremendous roster change as well. How about we play Uri Slavkowski for the first nine games, and then at that point, depending on where he's at, if he doesn't feel comfortable, if the game hasn't slowed down for him, or he's having issues, send him to Lavelle. And quite honestly, if you're going to do that, the last thing I would do is what I like to call the yo-yo treatment. Don't bring him up, send him down, bring him up, send him down, bring him up, send it down. That destroys a player. He either needs to be there for a while, or he needs to be in Montreal for a while. So if the intention is, hey, we'll do the nine-game trial, we'll see what his comfort with the game is, what his comfort with his line mates in, if he started to gel with anybody. And if not, I would say at that point, send him down to Lavelle until the trade deadline has come and gone, which is March 21st next year, if I remember correctly. And at that point, once that trade deadline is come and gone, then I'd say, you know what? You're up for the rest of the season. At that point, you're going to have the open roster spots because of potential trades that have already been made. And that leads us to the rest of the players on the roster right now. There are a lot of players on the roster right now that have not looked that great. They've had occasional good games. Mike Hoffman had a good game, but other than that one good game, has not looked like anything that anybody should be too impressed by. Jonathan Drouin had that one fantastic pass. Other than that, hasn't really looked like anything anybody would be too impressed by. Evgeny Donatov looked the best just the other night than he has all season. It looks like for the first time he actually showed up inclusive of training camp, but hasn't really been anything that anybody should be too impressed by. So there's a pattern here. So at this point right now, you have Evgeny Donatov, Jonathan Duran, Christian Dvorak. You have Mike Hoffman, Rem Picklick also hasn't looked that great yet. Chris Weidman and Corey Sherman haven't really played much yet. So that's your next tier. So this is going to be a year of the measuring gauge. At what level do people fall on? Are they core players? Are they fringe players? Are they depth players? It's a game of patience. And people are just going to have to be patient with it. Unfortunately, what nobody hopefully will do is when the season's over with and a lot of the dead cap weight, the contracts of Jonathan Duran, Evgeny Donatov, Paul Byron, and others are finally off the books. Hopefully nobody's going to say, hey, we got all this money. We need to go out and spend all this and bring in a high price veteran. No, you don't. No, you need to continue to make sure that this roster is being built by your internal prospects. That's what needs to continue to happen. We don't need to go out and acquire any big name, expensive free agent, or a player in a trade unless he's really young and can be there for a long time and seamlessly play with other existing young players. Not have to have any adjustment period. Now, in addition to the rebuild process it also looks like there's going to be a nearly endless line of people with an outpouring of apologies who always wanted to question and crucify Mark Bergevin if you look at the players that are in the system if you look at a lot of the players that everybody's excited about well guess who drafted Caden Gooley guess who drafted Cole Caulfield Guess who drafted the Joshua Roys, the Xavier Simonos? Guess who drafted Alex Romanev, who turned out to be the key component in the acquisition of Kirby Doc at the draft? Romanov was not only projected to be a fourth or fifth round pick, but a fringe player. 
who Montreal ended up drafting in 2018 in the second round, 38th overall, and became a top four defenseman for the Habs in a very short period of time. He played more and more minutes every season. He had more and more hits on a consistent basis when other players were just kind of turning away from hitting people and not wanting to get physical. And in the end, ended up being the key component that got Montreal Kirby Doc in return. So in 2019, Bergevin selected Cole Caulfield. Another name you'll hear about soon as he competes for a spot next year is Jaden Struble, who's wrapping up his senior year at Northeastern. Raphael Harvey Bernard. Several others can be added to that draft. In 2020, he drafted Caden Gooley, Yan Mysak, Sean Farrell. Let's not forget about Luke Tuck, Blake Biondi, Jacob Dobbs. Those are players that you'll be hearing about in the future. In 2021, let's not forget about Logan Mailu, who, yes, was a controversial pick, but as you watched him evolve and are watching him continue to evolve, he is becoming the right-hand defenseman that the team desperately needs and could easily be the right-hand pairing to Caden Gooley in the future or to Arbor Akjai in the future, which would make a tremendous but also in 2021, drafted Riley Kidney, William Trudeau, Joshua Roy, Xavier Simino, as I mentioned earlier, and was the one who listened to his scouting department about this kid that nobody drafted from the OHL and the NHL in Arbor Akjai. Let's not leave out a 2016 sixth round pick, Michael Pozzetta, who I'm sure nobody thought would have amounted to anything, a seventh round pick in 2014 in Jake Evans from Notre Dame, where everybody's like, ah, seventh round picks, they never do anything. They're just, they're kind of there because we have that round, but they never really amount to anything. Good picks. They've been very important to the team. They've brought things to the team that other players haven't. So it kind of drives home that point. Any draft pick is always worth obtaining because you never know what might be available or that you'll find in that round. And just to wrap up this topic, let's go back to 2018 for a second because undoubtedly, I'll bet there's a lot of people that's like, yeah, well, this is the guy that drafted you Spiri, Cock, and Yemi. Okay, and he should have drafted Brady Kachuk. But at that time, the Canadians didn't need left wingers. Brady Kachuk is a left winger. Now, would I have drafted Brady Kachuk instead of Yuspiri Kakanyemi? Yes, but for his physical package that he brings as well as his skills, not necessarily for his position. That being said, though, what if Yuspiri Kakanyemi would have been allowed to develop and stay in Finland, as Gord Miller and many other people appropriately suggested, and then came over at age 20 from Finland after being allowed to develop, which would have given him two more years over there, would you have seen a different Yaspiri Kakanyemi? I think we all would have. So the problem wasn't drafting Kakanyemi, it was the development process, which has been bad longer than Mark Bergevin's been there. Arguably, it could be said that the development program of the Canadians has been bad since at least Pierre Gauthier was general manager. And that isn't even on him. Really, the development program of the Montreal Canadiens has not been good since their minor league team in Nova Scotia, the Voyagers. For some reason, development was just never a big thing on their radar. Maybe there was a belief that that would be taken care of at the junior level. That would be taken care of based on who they drafted. But development has not been the fault of one particular general manager. It hasn't existed since the Nova Scotia Voyagers. It really hasn't on a consistent basis. Guy Boucher had a good year when it was in Hamilton, but that was completely random. It has not been consistently good for a long time. And development has been one of the focal points of the new 
management group, and coaching staffs. And you can see the advantages of it. You can see how having a coach and having a development staff that can address a player's need and that they can relate to certainly was an immediate help to Cole Caulfield last year. That was obvious and apparent and has been to help to countless other players since. So as you watch the amazing group of talent coming up through the juniors, into the AHL, and to play for the Montreal Canadiens on the NHL roster, there's going to be a lot of apologies to Mark Bergevin. Mark Bergevin may not have been the greatest general manager, but he is one of the best talent evaluators in the league and was even prior to his days with serving in Chicago. He has a very good eye for talent. And it's just unfortunate to see people critiqued, criticized by others who don't possess those skills and ignored for the skills that they actually have. His tenure is going to be looked at down the road as providing exceptionally good talent to the Montreal Canadiens. And the 2022 draft, which was not his draft, obviously, is going to be fantastic talent as well. On that note, I'm your host, Stephen Stiles, and thanks again for tuning into episode 16 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. And we will talk again next week. And in the meantime, have a fantastic week and weekend. Thanks again.